to another episode of Sicker Than Most. I'm your host, Steve, and today I have a, you know, OG friend of mine, right? We go way back. Payat. Payat. Right. He, I've known Payat. We've known each other for what? Three years? About three. Three? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, three. Three. Because how, how much time do you have right now? Uh, I got three coming up on four. Come on. Okay, yeah. Jen, I think I met you when you had like six. Six or nine. Months? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, probably closer to nine, nine closer yeah. to nine. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, but uh, Payat, he's got an incredible story. Um, you know, has a, an incredible life that has been a gift of recovery. You That's know, we're a hundred percent it, dude. We're going to hear a little bit about it. Um, while this is not a video podcast, I want to let the listeners know that Payat has probably <laughs> one of the best mustaches I personally have ever seen. Oh, thanks yeah. bro. It's, it's, you know, it's, Something to behold. Maybe we'll maybe we'll throw a picture up on the Instagram if you guys want to take a look at Piot's mustache because it is a game changer. Right on. I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna be a little distracted this episode just of how great the mustache is. Dog. You know? Steve's growing out his own stash, bro. It looks beautiful. We're working just, on it. I just want to say that. Yeah, you're you're my inspiration. Yeah. So right on. Um, Glad to be inspiring somebody. Fortunately, we're, this isn't a mustache podcast, right? Right. We got some we got some bigger fish to fry here, but that's right. Let's get to know you a little bit. For the listeners who don't know you, Payat, first off, how old are you? 29. 29. And how much clean time do you have? Three years. Now, what's an interesting fact that others might not know about you? I was on a Bollywood dance team when I was in college. Will that footage ever leak on the Sicker Than Most Instagram? Uh, we got to find it first. It's on YouTube. Okay, we're going to find that shit. Yeah, yeah. Some yeah. of the boys have tracked it down before. <laughs> Luckily, you know, it's a team thing so like i was it's zoomed out it's not just me not okay. just me but i you could tell which one i am okay for sure all right all right there's no stash back then no no, no. but but there is now there is now 100 percent. gifts gifts of recovery yep that's right? it that's right, right. You, get, you get sober you get a badass mustache that's right so um let's get into it right you have a you have right you have a, a very interesting story a lot of you know definitely definitely one that presents you as a perfect candidate for this podcast right you are mm. you are sicker than most right? i am very sick dude 100% and, sick and willing and i we i kind of want to hear how'd it start right like walk us yeah. through like walk us through the soil that grew the alcoholic we know and love Payot. you know i used to like trip about whether or not i was born an alcoholic or i became an alcoholic at this point i really don't care but some background is like you know, I'm a child of immigrants. Both my both my parents immigrated over to America. I'm the first child on either side of the family to be born in America. And I try to mention that because I heard it for the first time in somebody's uh, chair, you know, in a, in a meeting. And that was very important to me because when they said they were the child of immigrants, the first person f like ever born in the U.S. in their family, I realized that was true for me, too. And I hadn't heard that part of my story until that point um you know pretty happy-go-lucky kid not gonna lie um and you know got got some cool family got a younger brother it's all good um and eventually you know i ran into some adversity um it happened uh it was sixth grade for me when like i, I was just like the victim of a lot of bullying and shit and uh, i was like literally up until that point, I think I was like pretty happy with life, you know, like some sometimes stuff fell off, but 
up until that point, I was like, life is great. I'm happy to be here. And after that point, I was very, life is not so great. I am not happy to be here. I'm awkward. I'm weird. I'm uncomfortable, you know? So that's a little bit of background. Was it, was that a conscious thought of yours, right? Like that you or was it, was it looking back that uncomfortability was really sub, uh, self con or yeah, subconscious. Yeah. Um, I think it was more subconscious, you know, when, when kids get fucked with, you know, we come up with, I came up with all kinds of like weird rationalizations for why it happened. And, um, I think when I was going through it, I had to believe on some level I deserved it, you know? Um, I mean, and that's what, that's what kids do, right? Is they're yeah. just learning and they're trying to make sense of the world around them. And when, you know, you're getting bullied and, you know, messed with and stuff like that. It's like your the child brain like goes to trying yeah. to trying to figure out why to make sense of it, you know? Right. And then my my rationalization was like I got I I thought I got very arrogant as a fifth grader and that sixth grade brought me back down to like level, you know, um, and you know, I mean, I was pretty hyped as a fifth grader. I still remember to this day, there's one girl in fifth grade, or maybe it was fourth grade. It's funny that I remember this. I haven't thought about this in a while. Um, and she uh, she told me, like, you used to be so nice. What happened to you? And then, like, a year later, I'm getting, like, shit kicked out of me at school. Least popular kid in my class. It, like, reached the point that my parents showed up. And uh, they talked to my counselor. And the counselor sat down with my family. And they're like, are you doing okay? kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I just, I lied to them. I'm like, no, I got friends. Like we're fine. You know? Cause I didn't, I didn't want to front like my life sucked, which it did, but it was all good. And we turned out. Okay. You, you know, and at that point, do you feel like everything kind of changed for you? Like how you view the world, how you look, how, how you viewed yourself, how, how I view you know, myself. And the world became like a darker place for sure. Okay. And like, you know, kids, we, we think we know everything growing up. Now I'm very comfortable to know that like, I don't know shit, you it, know? It's honestly kind of a nice place to be. Right. Because if you, if, if we don't know shit, then we stay teachable, right? And yeah. if we stay teachable, then we can grow. Exactly. Exactly. And you shut yourself off to that at an early age. So then kind of like moving forward, what, what did life look like for you after that? Well, my, my parents got here like via education, you know, like my, um, that's, that's how they managed to immigrate. Like my dad went to grad school, you know, married my mom came over. She went to grad school, you know, they got jobs and like via all that. So like, they had like a very, like, we focus on school shit kind of mindset. We, because in India, which is where my family's from, you got to climb over like a billion people to make it right. My dad came from dirt. He, you know, like literally his village is like a, a shithole. You know, my mom, her, her side of the family was a little bit better off, you know. Um, and they were very like, you got to compete. You got to be intelligent. Um, and fuck, I don't even remember what the question is. I just kind of got off on this tangent, bro. No, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of like what, what did life look like after that pivotal point for you? You well, know, so, so I threw myself into my schoolwork because that was the only way I was like, um, that was like the only value I felt I added to like, social situations. Like I was the guy that everybody copied off of, you know? Okay. And I'd hang out with the popular kids. I help them with their shit, you know? Um, and after that, like it did kind of like start like an uncomfortability, 
um, lack of self-esteem spiral, you know, and I, it just, it went that way for a while. And, um, I needed like some kind of solution, you know what I mean? And my parents were like very traditional. So like drugs and alcohol, bad, you don't go there. Right. But by the time I finally took my first drink, which was like second semester, senior year, I was like, oh, I needed that. You know what I mean? Like I needed that. It's like that feeling of like, where has this been my whole life? Exactly. And why hasn't someone told me this is how great this was a long time ago? You know, we had like all these classes like in, in uh, ninth grade and shit. And there was there was this there was about drugs and alcohol and how bad they were for you. Right. And how everybody and then like with my brain and the judgment that came from like my family that I inherited from them around drugs and alcohol. I just assumed that anybody that drank or smoked had no hopes, dreams, ambitions like they were less than. Right. And that's what I needed to believe. And then I got drunk with them and I was just like, holy shit. Holy shit. If I was wrong about this, what else was I wrong about? Felt like you almost like open, open the door to something you never yeah. couldn't even fathom. I call it my first fake spiritual experience was mm -hmm. the first time I got drunk. At like a, it was like a theater party. You know, I, it took me a while to like recover from that self-esteem shit, you know, and I kind of finally started to find my crew, my junior and senior year of high school. Like I found these boys that I wanted to hang out with and like they were they were like musicians and i was basically like a band groupie for like a high school band sick and i hung out with these guys what was and, the band name oh fuck forgasm <laughs> yeah. let's go yeah that's them forgasm forgasm yeah are, they, you, they gotta be on youtube still right i don't know dude all right for all the know. listeners if anyone's willing to do a deep dive on the interwebs <laughs> for us let's find forgasm find forgasm yeah they were pretty they were interesting they they were big into grunge Okay. From like the '90s, Seattle and shit, and um, yeah, dude, they were just lead vocalist had like a great voice. The bass player was a bit of an asshole. He's my least favorite dude. Um, <laughs> just I had to throw, there's still some resentment there, dude. I haven't let go of that one. He made it on been, your he made it on your four step though. Oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Good. been on every single inventory. Like I've Fuck written yeah, every dude. long form inventory. He's there. The dude. bassist of four fourgasm fourgasm. Yeah, sick. So then, okay, so you, you had this, this, this fake spiritual experience, yeah. right? After drinking alcohol, getting, yeah. getting fucked up for the first time, right? Yeah, I was at a party. I was talking to girls. Like, it was great, dude. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. I'm sure a lot of the listeners can relate to that, too, yeah, right? Like, course. if you're a real alcoholic, you can remember your first drink vividly and everything that happened around it. Or, I mean, yeah. like, I mean, like, if you're alcoholic, usually, like, you black out. But, like, you still yeah. kind of remember, like, up until that point and why you loved it so much. Right. I didn't black out the first time, but I definitely started blacking out soon after. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause like I still, ha I was holding on to like, because basically I'm a fear driven individual, Steve, I have been my whole life. Um, and I think that was really the turn in middle school. Like the fear was justified for the first time. Right. Cause I was afraid that people would reject me, that people would treat me poorly and they did. Right. And then the fear just grew. Right. The volume got turned up. And to fight the fear, I needed something else. And that's that's why I looked to drugs, alcohol, all of it, sex, rock and roll. You know. I, mean, I mean, with, with uh, forgasm, like, that's that's what yeah. you guys were living. You guys were living yeah. that life. <laughs> I mean, as, as much as you could, like, being a high school kid, like, practicing in someone's living room and shit. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so after that first drink, right after that first time getting drunk, like what the progression look like for you? Like how, how was it? Was so, it one of those quick ones? Slow? Was it like gradual over time? What did it look like? Well, it blew up pretty fast. It, it started off like kind of slow because I was still living at home and my parents were basically my higher powers. Right. Because I, you know, in my culture, like respect to your elders is big. Right. And I, they were kind of my higher powers and I had to hide my drinking from them. And um, they were big on education, so I got into college. And that's when the wheels really came off because I was finally physically removed. Where, where'd you go to school at? I went to Davis Sick. for a little bit, UC Davis. Sick. Yeah. I didn't graduate though. I'm not gonna rep that. So, yeah. So you're not, are you gonna are you gonna are you gonna say you're an alum? Or were you I, more of like a visitor? I was like a visitor, kind of a long term visitor. There you go. Yeah. yeah kind of yeah. like a. Well, I hung on for a while, dude. I coasted off like, I made it through like a little bit over two years of college before they finally were like, dude, you gotta you, you gotta go. And I was like, all right. And then I'm gonna pretend to be here for a while. Which we can get into. So, too. yeah, what did that look like? So, um, what really happened was I was always fascinated with weed, right? If I had to choose one drug of choice in this entire universe, it would be marijuana. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love to get high. I love to get high. I love to smoke it. If you could snort weed, I'd probably do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's the only thing that makes me hesitant to, like, say that's the one. Um, because you can't snort it, and I love many forms of nose candy but what happened was like freshman year was kind of cool i was in the dorms and my first time getting high was with an edible right and uh for a while i just did edibles and i'd get crossfaded all this i had a couple of moments of clarity mixed in there like probably like the third time i ever got high we're on our it was freshman year we're on our way to a frat party right and i remember thinking like holy shit my life is hollow like, it's all surface. There's no substance. Nothing I'm doing matters to me, right? And that was one of the moments of clarity. But what, what pretending to go to school looked like was um, I used to say, like, I got kicked out of school, but really I kicked myself out. And what I mean by that is that, like, my, ju my junior year, um, they hit me up because I've been doing shit for, like, the last several quarters. And they're like, hey, you need to meet with a counselor because I'd managed to avoid that because I didn't, like, actually dealing with authority figures yeah the less authority you deal with the better in addiction right right 100 percent. and um but i've always been like that steve i would pay lip service to authority figures and like be like fuck you behind their backs you know but i was too scared to like actually confront them so i was like the slimiest kind of rebel you know i was a little weasel about it um so they want me to meet a meet a counselor and um the day rolled around when i was supposed to meet up with the counselor like the last day to do it and I just couldn't get out of bed to do it. I was just high as shit in my room. I'm like, I can't go. I can't go. I had to get high before because anytime I went anywhere at that point in my life, I wanted to be stoned. Otherwise, I couldn't deal with life. You know, like I said, I'm a fear-driven individual. And that was my solution to fear. It was like, if we get high, I'm not as scared. I don't give a shit what anybody thinks. Then I just go for it. Um, so I just didn't show up. I just didn't show and they're like, yeah, you're no longer a student here. But this is this is where they kind of fucked up. And they didn't know it, right? They're just doing their job. But they refunded me personally. At this point, my parents are paying for everything. There's no, like, scholarship money or nothing, right? I'm just 100% mooching off them. Um, and they refund me personally 
for the entire quarter. Yo, that's a lot. So of, that's a lot of cash. Yeah, yeah. and it just I got kicked like, out. And yeah, so I just have like six k, dude. I just have six, maybe seven thousand yeah. dollars, and I'm just like, well, this sucks, but I have seven thousand dollars to party with, and uh, I was too ashamed, bro. I was too ashamed to tell anybody that this had happened, right? So, I just pretended to go to school, and it was like an open campus, right? And um, I'm like, I'll, I'll figure it out at the end of the quarter, you know? End of the quarter rolls around. My parents are like, hey, we're trying to pay for your tuition, but it's not working. And this is, like, where, like, trusting codependent parents plus alcoholic goes real bad, right? Um, alcoholic addict, whatever. Like, I, um, I was like, oh, there's something wrong with the system. Just send me the money, and I'll handle it. And I ran that for a little bit. You know, you know, my quote unquote senior year of college, I'm like moving into the frat house, no longer a student at the school. And like nobody what shocked me is like nobody checked up on it. You know, like you can't be in a fraternity if you're not a student. But like it was dysfunctional enough that like nobody checked on it. Right. You were just partying with everyone. So they, yeah, they, they, they didn't care assume. less. Yeah. <laughs> the funniest part was like I went to more class like after I failed out, <laughs> like you just walked into classrooms, like random classrooms. Well, no, I, it was like a lot of big lectures. Okay. So I just pretended to continue on with my pre-med classes for a little bit uh -huh. and I'd show up in classes that it made sense for me to be in. Right. Wow. There you go. Yeah. And I was just there and I was like stoned and like, I showed up to midterms and I like, I wrote some other students name down and like a fake, like student ID number and <laughs> turned in fucking midterms like it was insane steve you were just playing the part i was just playing the part that's exactly what was going on was that like kind of a a deeper level of denial for you you're like if i can just like keep even just keep going to the classes mm. that i'm supposed to go to right then like maybe i can like Trick i don't have my to way back in or, or like no just like well i mean more more just like tell yourself like this isn't as bad or just kind of yeah. lie to yourself because it's like oh well oh, it was so yeah. much denial dude that's yeah. all it was actually there's one thing i do want to bring up um so right before i go to college this is second semester senior year of high school i get a nickname right and the nickname is bobo and that becomes my name right and it was like i got to because like i still wasn't that popular in high school you know and i wanted to be somebody else in college right and then I get drunk for the first time and I'm like, people just call me Bobo. And there's like an entire fucking population of humans that like knew me, knew me pretty well that like don't know my real name. You're just Bobo. I was just Bobo. Sick. I was just Bobo. And um, now is was Bobo Piat that got drunk? No, Bobo. Or Loden? I kind of call Bobo like my drinking name. It's almost like a different character. You know, Bobo was who I wanted to be. Bobo was cool. You know, Bobo was fun. Bobo would smoke people out, right? And I basically tried to be like one of the popular kids in high school in college, which is just like doesn't it doesn't it's work just like e yeah, it's like everyone else. There's <laughs> yeah. just, everyone's all the same. Yeah, right. <laughs> Nobody cares, dude. Yeah, <laughs> Nobody cares. Everybody's just trying to do their own shit, dude. Right. Yeah. Right. So then, what what did Rock Bottom look like? Right. Like, cause I know yeah. you're a little bit about your story, right? Is that rock bottom for you was more of a progression, right? A lot of times yeah. we, we have rock bottoms that are just like, boom, like a hard fall and a, right. and a, and a painful stop. 
right? But it sounds like, you know, knowing your story a little bit, that rock bottom kind of, it was more of a, it was more of a chapter and not a page for you. Yeah. I used to trip because I used to think that I didn't have enough consequences to fit in like the recovery community. And, uh, I realized that's like another shade of my denial. Like my shit was pretty fucked, bro. Um, like stealing thousands of dollars from my parents, like the people who love and support me. You're a staple in the recovery community. (laughs) Um, (laughs) anyway, so yeah, my chapter, the rock bottom chapter looked like auditory hallucinations, bro. Cause like part of what it was, was like, I was doing like a lot of weed and like some hallucinogens. Right. And then I was like doing some uppers and some downers, like whatever. I, I explored as best I could, right? And uh, the big secret I was keeping that I wasn't a student, right? That I was paranoid about people finding out about that, right? The first person to find out was my girlfriend at the time, and she found out like six to nine months after it happened, which was really stupid of me, by the way, because she, is, she was someone that had failed out and gotten readmitted. And if I had just talked to her as soon as it had happened, she could like help me come up with a plan. But like I was unwilling. I was so scared. Right. And uh, so first truth to her. Right. And then there's one person that knows and can kind of reality check me, you know, but like I'm I'm getting auditory hallucinations. I think I can hear people's thoughts if they are related to me. Right. I think I can project my own thoughts. So it was like full-blown psychotic shit was what I was dealing with. There was paranoia of people finding out my secrets, which everybody eventually did because I could only sit on it so long. But like the first kind of phase of rock bottom looked like me alone on, on a, in a frat house, right? And as, as cars zip by the window, because I can see out to the street and it's right across from campus, um, I get like little bursts of, of audio. And I just assume that people can sense me. Like, I'm, it's just, it was so fucking. Uh, You're just in full blown psychosis at that point. And I lived in it, dude. I lived in it and I refused to seek help for it for like a year. And then I eventually told my parents and I came home, right? Um, I came home and we were convinced that I had some, like, I was convinced I had mental health issues because it can't be the weed, it can't be the alcohol, like, because I need that shit. Right. Can't be all the other ups and downs and rounds you're <laughs> yeah, doing too. Yeah. All, uh, there was like, well, to get a little specific, like it was just mostly like Adderall and cocaine, like nothing too crazy. I mean, maybe some Xanax at some point, like whatever, uh, <laughs> as we do. Right. Um, cause it can't be that. It can't be that. Cause I love that shit. I love how if you ask like a regular person, like, Hey, is it normal to do like on a daily basis, like drink, smoke weed, take Adderall and do Coke, like, and then maybe take Xanax to calm down. Is that like a normal thing? And they're like, <laughs> what the fuck? No. What are you saying? I had yeah. like four drinks over, over the, on the weekend. Yeah. You're doing all this shit throughout the week. Right. You know what I mean? But we just, right. we just justify it. It's amazing how our minds work. That's the thing. So then, um, okay. So you come home. Yeah. Right. And you're convinced you're psycho, you're psych, just psychotic just by nature, yeah. just by nature. Okay. And, uh, we, we go see doctors, right? We go, we go to therapy, we go to fucking psychiatrists, we go to all kinds of shit. And pretty quick, they're able to tell, like, oh, this guy's off, but he's clearly not sober. So, like, let's sober him up first, right? And I get, like, 
voluntold to recovery. That's like my first brush with it. And I couldn't go to AA meetings because I'm like, I'm not an alcoholic. I might be an addict, though. So, like, you know, I go to NA meetings. And um, there's no message for me there because I'm loaded. You know, basically, I would show up high or just be thinking about getting high after every time I was at a meeting. And <laughs> I forgot about this part. Um, my, my friends, like, you remember that Forgasm band? Oh, they, yeah. How, how could you forget about Forgasm? So, so they all graduate college and they move back, right? And I'm just, like, hanging out, you know, college dropout in my hometown, still mooching off my parents. Like, I was very dysfunctional was my thing, Steve. Like, I could not... I had like no way to get to make money other than to steal it, right? That was just who I was, and I was stealing at that point. And uh, they hold an intervention for me, and the only way they can guarantee I'm going to show up at the intervention is that they hold it at a bar, and they they promise me one free drink if I show up to hang out with them. Did, so, did they tell you, hey, we got an intervention? No, no, we'll no. give you a drink, or they were no. just like, hey, come over to this bar. Yeah, they were like, hey, come over to this bar. I'll buy you a beer. And, and I'm, I'm broke and kind of stealing and people don't trust me at that point. So it's like harder for me to get what I need, you know? So like I bike over cause like I'm not driving. Nobody, nobody wants me in a car. You know, I don't, I don't have my own car. I don't have the ability to buy a car. Uh, I might not have even had a license, dude. I don't even remember. I think I did at that point, but, um, I like bike over, get to the bar. I take my first sip. That's I'm just I'm just locked in on that beer. I take my first sip and then I feel OK. And then my brain kicks in again because I'm no longer just the mental obsession to get that drink is like briefly gone. Right. Because I'm drinking and then my brain clicks. and I'm like, oh, this is an intervention. Like they didn't tell me that I put it together myself. And they're like, yeah, this is. And then they proceed to try to like tell me like hey you need to go back to school you need to stop drinking and smoking so much and the ironic thing was this steve at that point in my life i wasn't drinking and smoking nearly as much as i was at my peak right i was drinking and smoking as it was available to me as i could get people to buy me drinks at bars or as i could convince someone to smoke me out because i had no resources right and um and they're like you got to stop all this and go back to school and get your shit together and I just couldn't hear it, you know? And, you know, around that I'm being voluntold to meetings. And basically the, the incident, right, where I was able to get to my bottom was this. I, um, I go back to Davis, right, to hang out. And I go back to that frat that kicked me out after they finally figured out that I'd been lying to them for a while and I was no longer a student. And uh, they proceed to kick me out of their party again because they're like, this guy's too much. He's just fucked up. And um, I managed to crash at somebody's place. And I, I see this homeless woman. She's like young ish. And I'm like, oh, OK, she's cute. She needs a place to stay. So I proceed to invite her over to my homie's place because I'm, I'm trying to get laid, Steve. I, it's, it's, you know, that's that's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> that's the truth and that's that's Here where I'm sicker than most we only speak the truth right so I'm trying to get laid and um she's like not down she's like no I'm not down I'm like okay fine that's that's all good you can still sleep here because like I've been like semi-homeless you know at this point and couch surfing and shit and um and she she proceeds to talk about herself right 
And she's all like, oh, do you have a car? Like, I need to get to Vacaville for court. You know, my, my boyfriend's in jail, but like, I have this case. I need to be in court tomorrow. I'm like, well, that sucks. No, I don't have a car. You know, I got on there by like fucking faking my way onto Amtrak, stealing like they put these slips of paper above the passengers. Like when they scan your ticket, I took somebody else's slip and I put it above me. Like, you know, just shit like that. And um, I'm like, no, I can't help you. And then she proceeds to like IV heroin in his bathroom. Right. And she has to like go and find a vein. Right. And I'm just I'm like, can I watch? And she's like, yeah, dude, watch. Like, because that's something I hadn't done yet you know i'd never um injected anything like that so she ivs heroin and she like feels it and during the course of that night i'm getting this weird fucking feeling and it's like holy shit there's no difference between me and her right she just has some consequences that i haven't experienced yet and she's doing drugs in a way that i haven't done it yet like i didn't I didn't know the words for that. Like I hadn't heard of the yets, you know, because like I was high at every single meeting I went to. Maybe some of it trickled in. But what I realized is like, that's me. That's me. That's where I'm going. So the next morning I wake up, fuck around a little bit more. And then I put myself in the hospital in Davis. And I'm just like, hey, I need to go in the psych ward, you know. And uh, I finally say the right combination of words which is like i'm afraid of what i'm going to do to myself or somebody else and they're like fine we'll put you in the psych ward and that's was like my first surrender and that's where my journey started and that was back in 2017 and uh yeah that's where it was so from from because you got sober in 2019 right like yeah or your your sobriety date you know is is in 2019 right, right. Well, by the way, what is your sobriety date? July 31st, 2019. July, baby. Fuck that's yeah, right. dude. That's right. Class so, 2019. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, so you got, you, you, that, your first render was in 2017. So then to 2019, right? Like what? Like, cause let's be real, right? Like if anyone, mo- most of our listeners, right? Like yeah. have, are in recovery and, 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 you know, quite a few of them have experienced relapse once or twice. Right. right. So like, obviously like the, the cat's out of the bag. The, yeah, math, the math doesn't add up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So from 2017 to 2019, what happened? What did that look like? Well, um, it was good for a bit, bro. Not going to lie. Like I didn't think, so first of all, I didn't think that AA or NA or whatever. I didn't, I didn't think 12 step worked cause I'd shown up to meetings. Right. I hadn't followed any of the directions. Let's just let, I'm going to stop right there. I've, I've been there, right? Like yeah. you, you've been there, right? Where you show up loaded to meetings yeah. and wonder why it doesn't work. Right. It's so good. I mean, it's so, <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. I love, that's just how great, that's just how great this disease is. How, right. how far we can be in denial about our own issues. No one goes to an AA or an NA meeting because, you know, just acts like accidentally, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're clearly there for a reason, but yet like we can, we can keep our head in the sand. Oh yeah. For Ostrich so long, swag, dude ostrich swag oh that's right ostriches put their head in the dirt don't they yeah yeah i, I think that's where it comes from i think so Pretty sure yeah oh um, sure. flightless bird dude <laughs> anyway but boy but they can run they can run they can motherfucker. run i ran a lot they got Didn't legs fly. yeah <laughs> failure to launch failure to launch hey, that's that's that's, a, that's me dude no, that's I'm the new not. podcast name failure to launch failure to launch that's not bad dude no we can roll with that but i get that right like failure to launch you know so um well what happened was um I was in the psych ward 
they kind of evened out some of the meds I had gotten on, right? Because, like, at that point, I'd been to lots of therapists and psychiatrists. I uh, go to an outpatient program, you know, through a series of God shots. And in the outpatient program, I think they're going to have the medical solution to addiction and alcoholism. And their medical solution is very simple. They're like, go to 12-step meetings, at least one a day. You know, get a sponsor, get some literature, work with that sponsor, be of service. Like, that's it. That's all they wanted me to do. You know, and they gave me some structure, and they took me to a noon meeting to, on the weekdays. And, um, <clears throat> and I followed direction, dude. I followed direction until I didn't follow direction, right? And I proceeded to do some step work. And while I was, like, technically on my, like, 11th step when I went out, 10, 11, 12 shit, um, what had really happened was I'd ran into some amends that I was scared to make. And I just paused on them. I just paused on them. And at a certain point, I became convinced that... I'm not actually mentally ill. I just have alcoholism, right? I'm pretty certain that today, Steve, that I'm dual diagnosed. Like, you know, I know it in my bones. So I, I, I end up... Conv- you're, what do they call it? You're, you're, the, uh, you're double trouble. I'm double trouble, baby. And uh, I, I convinced my psychiatrist to let me off my medication, right? So I, I did under doctor approval. I go off my meds. I have a full-blown manic episode, Right. And that's like bipolar terminology for basically I was batshit. I was batshit. I wasn't sleeping. I was high energy all the time. I was convinced that I knew what the right thing to do was at all points. I had delusions, all kinds of delusions of like power and grandeur and all kinds of shit. And uh, I end up getting into a car accident, 100% sober. You know, the problem was the car wasn't mine, Steve. Whose, it car, was, whose car was it? It was. It belonged to these very nice women that were letting me dog sit for them, and they Ooh. they lent me their car keys, right? And I just finally have like made that amends recently, which is, you know, but um, I crashed the car and then I proceeded to old behavior because I didn't have a spiritual solution, and the old behavior was very simple. The old behavior was I'm going to cut and run. Because that works every time. Because that works every time. At least that's what our head tells us. Yeah. So that was the beginning of, like, the depression that led to my relapse, right? I was still, like, physically abstinent for, like, a while after that. But, like, the behaviors, bro. I just, like, I was abstinent but not sober, bro. Not at all. And um, I relapsed behind some pain pills. And it was the bitchiest relapse ever, let me tell you, Steve. (laughs) Like, um, it was one, I don't even know, like hydrocodone, whatever they gave me, some form of opiate. And um, it was prescribed to me. But the reason I had to consider it a relapse was because, like, the plan, generally the plan when we're prescribed medication, especially after a surgery, which was my wisdom tooth surgery, is, like, we have, for me, I like to have a custodian of my pain pills, right? And they give it to me as prescribed, as needed, right? But what I did was right before I handed it to the custodian, which was my mom, I just stole one. I just stole one. And I popped it. And I was like, fuck, dude. I didn't take that as prescribed. I might have to reset my date. And then I proceeded proceeded to be in denial for like a week and a half around that. And I finally talked to somebody about it. 
And they're like, I don't know, dude, maybe you should call your sponsor. Right? So I called him. We reset the date and got back to work. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's it's really important to point out, too, is that that pain pill, like that mm-hmm. one, that one pain pill, whatever it was that you took, right? Yeah. Like with the, with the intent to change the way you feel, right? Yeah. Not to monitor pain yeah. or not to manage pain. That one pain pill you took, right? Like that wasn't what's going to kill you, right? What's going to kill you as an alcoholic is the guilt and shame and the denial yeah. around it not being an issue because it's like right. with anything, it's like with anything that we right. take, it's the intent. You know, mm-hmm. we, me and you could get in a car crash, could have got you today and, and right. be pumped, be, you know, be pumped full of morphine, right. In the ambulance or whatever. And then, you know, but we're not, unless we're crashing the car to get morphine, yeah. right, you know, unless it's we're, not. if we're, if we're taking the medication, not as prescribed or with the intent to change the way we feel, not for what it's actual purpose is. That's what it is, dude. That guilt and shame is what's going to kill us. Yeah, man. And the denial, right? Because that's what kills more alcoholics than anything else. So that um, that reminds me of something one of my favorite outpatient counselors used to say. He said, every alcoholic has two things, right? Um, a built-in forgetter. We forget, like, the pain, the past, the whatever, and a broken coper. We can't cope with life, right? So unless we figure out a way to address those two things, we're inevitably going to go out, right? Every time. Every time. Every time. Right. So you said you did some work, right? Yeah. So you got back to work. So I got like, back to work. What did, that, what did that work look like for you? Um, so I was one of those guys that bounced between fellowships, NAAA, NAAA. I had a sponsor that kind of did both, right? At various points, he'd worked steps through NA and AA. And uh, what I did is I finally chose, dude. You know, like... There's this, there's a, a very kind older man that like once told me like, Hey, it's cool that you go to meetings like all over the place, all the different fellowships, like that's all good, but choose one form of literature because there are subtle differences. You will confuse yourself. Right. And then he said he was in NA and he, he said something very important to me. He said, it's okay if it's AA, it's okay. And this man had like long-term recovery in the other fellowship, right? And uh, what I realized was, like, for whatever reason, I was drawn to that old-timey language in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I was just drawn to it. And um, it, it spoke my truth, right? And uh, I just chose. And then after I chose, I stuck out the choice. And I just kept going, right? So that was, like, ju- end of July 2019. And I, the work looks like I go back to meetings, I'm meeting with my sponsor, I'm being of service, blah, 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 right? You'll notice I didn't mention like reading and step work because I wasn't doing that much of that in the beginning. I was just kind of getting my feet wet. And then like the pandemic hits and then I get dry as fuck, meaning I'm physically abstinent, not emotionally sober, right? And I got saved. I got saved by a friend that opened up a backyard meeting and he invited me to said backyard meeting and I go there and that was enough for a while but what the work really looked like was at a certain point I was talking to my old sponsor right 
and he was bouncing back and forth between the fellowships. He eventually chose N.A. And I was like, dude, I want to work around the steps with the big book. Right. So I got a new guy. I got a new guy. And then we read together. Right. We defined the traits that that make me an alcoholic. Right. Which is something I wasn't able to say for a long time. I always said I was an addict. I'm an addict. I'm an addict. Um, and uh, yet the only thing that gets you to an intervention is a beer. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so good. That's right. So much <laughs> denial, bro. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the way we roll. Now, let's go on a sidebar real quick, because I yeah. think this is a really common topic, too, in recovery. Right. Is It's like, why are us drug addicts mm-hmm. so afraid in the beginning to label ourselves as alcoholic? Dude, it's <laughs> I'm sure there's more than one answer to, yeah. to it. Yeah. But like, wh- why is it? At least, you know, like for for me, for example, right? Yeah. Like it was because there weren't any young people in AA that I saw, that I knew right. at the time. Right. So I was like, I can't be an alcoholic because like... They're all I'm, crusty old folks. I'm not like 60-year-old, you know, rich white dude. Right. You know what I mean? I'm, right. So, so then uh, to, to come to find out, I love those old crotchety old white guys dude. they're the best they're, they're so great right they have they're full of like wisdom and, and and knowledge and recovery it's it's awesome you know um not you know <laughs> not not exclusively right you got to yeah. have your young people's fellowship too but that's right how about for, i love how about I, for you what was that what was that uh what was the hard part for you when it comes to denying like that you're an alcoholic even though you're you know, getting drunk every day Ooh. I think it it had something to do with the fact that like alcohol is like kind of okay in society and um, drugs weren't and uh, I did the bad shit. Therefore, I'm an addict. I think it had something to do with the fact that like I just couldn't let it go, bro. You know what I mean? Like I'm like I, I like to snort shit. That's that could be a problem. But like drinking beer, dude, you're telling me I can't even like have whatever like all these milestones in our lives around alcohol like I can't fucking get a beer like on my wedding day like i can't drink champagne at my friend's weddings i can't like whatever 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 you know like i had all these things attached to the idea of a beer like a beer had to be there you know i get that at various milestones like when i retire i can't drink like are you really telling me that there's a great remember the that story where he's like the dude, he like he gets he gets dry, you know. He dries up, yeah. Has a successful career, starts yeah. drinking in his retirement, and is dead in like a couple years. <laughs> yes, I so remember. good, so good. I'm yeah, like, dude, I could. He I had could, like decades before that, right? Like he oh, stopped when like he was like tw- thirty, like yeah, twenty years or some yeah. shit like that. Then he yeah. he drinks for like three years and dies, dude. I'm like, I I totally could see that happening. Right. I mean, nowadays it's like, fuck, dude. We got fentanyl out. Yo, it's, dude, it's how crazy do you think quick. it's going to be in 20 years? It's going to be way worse, dude. Yeah. It's going to so. be way worse, dude. Fentanyl and everything, dude. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. So when you, um, after you got into the solution, right, and you started like, you started really, really putting in work in your recovery, like what were some of the blessings that started, you know, coming about in your life? Dude, so the crazy part is this, dude. I started getting blessings like before I put in the work. You know what I mean? Like for real put in the work. Well, like what it really was, was I was no longer in denial around my problem. Like my first stint in sobriety, like I was in denial around my mental health problems. Right. And, uh, but I wasn't in denial around the fact that like I have a problem and I need recovery. Yeah. And then I was in denial around some of my amends and that, that along with 
the mental health shit made a perfect storm where it was easy to slip out of the herd, you know, and uh, easy to relapse. So the gifts, man, what what happened is I was no longer in denial. I had my mental health addressed. I was still like hadn't done enough of the work. Like I hadn't made enough right in life. Like I hadn't gone through my amends, but people saw me differently. Like I was working at fucking Chipotle is what I was doing. And uh, I was working at Chipotle. It was the first job I'd had, like, you know, in the pandemic era. And, um, like, a friend of, like, a family member had been checking up on me, like, this entire time, and I didn't know. And my aunt was finally able to report to her, oh, he's doing good. He's taking his meds. You know, he's going to meetings. You know, he's working with people. Like, he's doing good. And that person offered me an internship. Right. And uh, that internship turned into a part time contractor thing, which turned into a job like a real job, like a tech job, dude. And I uh, I had never been able to show up to something like that, even in like early sobriety, like every time I got a job, I'd lose it. I was dysfunctional failure to launch kid. That was me. And um, like I got work and then I was able to move into a house with a bunch of other sober alcoholics. You know what I mean? And I got to I got to hang with these people. And then, like, I got to go to, like, the same meetings as them. I had people holding me accountable. You know, like, I'm, I, I have a license. You know, I have a car. Like, all these external things. But what really came, what the real gift was, is, like, I'm finally okay, bro. Like, I'm okay, bro. Like, during the course of this podcast, I've been tripping because I'm like, oh, this isn't like even the best version of my story. Like, I'm not saying the profound stuff. And at a certain point, I was just like, dude, it's going to be what it's going to be. And that's fine. You know, I had to be like either the best or the worst for a long time. We got like that egomaniac with the inferiority complex thing that everybody talks about. Right. And uh, today I can just be like a dude. That's it. I'm a dude amongst dudes. When I'm at work, I'm a worker amongst workers, right? You know, and I think too the 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 miracle of it is that like you you said it right. That's yeah. the best gift. Is like you're okay. Yeah, I'm okay. Like bro. everything's good. Yeah, you know, and life, life doesn't it, have to be perfect, but everything's yes. good. And I have like a faith today, like in God, in my higher power. Like I'm gonna be okay, bro. You know, and. um you can put that on a bumper sticker. I'm going to be okay, bro. I'm going to be okay, bro. We're going to be okay, bro. Ooh. Because I like the we, yeah. you know. I've, I've Well, because we don't do this. We, I mean, we do this together. That's it. That's like, it. I'm not going to be okay. You're not going to be okay, but we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Right? We cut ourselves off, isolate, like we're fucked. It's a disease of isolation, bro. Yeah. That's what it boils down to. When we're alone, we're outnumbered. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I like that. You can steal that. Hundred percent. Drop it in a meeting. People are gonna like be like, oh "When my we're God, alone, the, we're outnumbered." This dude. guy's a fucking genius. We got the disease and the bottle dude, trying he, to take he, us out. He, <laughs> <laughs> the wars in between your ears. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. I like that one too. You can steal that one also. You know, I um, now that I feel like I'm finally loose, like however many minutes into this thing, like I think we're like forty five minutes deep, dude. Let me, let me like check. I'm finally. I'm finally loose, dude. Oh, we in this bitch. We 43 minutes in. Let's go. I'm finally loose. And I just want to, like, highlight a couple of things that, like, made it possible for me. 
You know what I'm saying? We we need to hear it. One of them was like, I we were talking about the we do this, right? And uh, one of them was like, I had a really good friend, man. I had a really good friend, and he would just, when I was depressed right before I relapsed, the only reason that I think my relapse got to be as brief as it was, I mean, besides God, you know, taking mercy on me, was the fact that this dude would keep showing up and dragging my ass out to meetings. And I knew somebody cared. I fucking knew it, dude. And um, he would just show up, make awkward small talk with my parents because I'm living at home at this point because I can't. Failure to launch kit, that's me. And um, he would show up in my room and he'd be like, hey, dude, you want to go to a meeting? I'm like, well, fuck, dude, if your car's parked outside and you're already in my fucking room, let me, like, brush my teeth and we'll go. Or I did, probably didn't brush my teeth, whatever. Um, <laughs> because that's that's what I needed at that point, right? Like, the fellowship saved me, bro. Absolutely. As it, as it should, as it does. That's, as what it it, does. that's what it does best. That's what it does best. The other thing was, like, faith, right? And, like, faith in God and whatever can be, like, hard for a lot of people, and it was hard for me. Right. And it was an atheist in recovery that enabled me to find my higher power. And he asked me one very simple question one day. He's like, hey, Piot, do you really not believe or are you just mad at God? That's all he had to ask me, dude. And I realized on some level, dude, I was fucking furious, dude. I was furious because I didn't think I deserved this life I was starting to get. I didn't think that the homies that we'd lost deserved to be lost. You know, I know, you know, it's just like I was furious. I was not cool. And then uh, and I was I was furious about all the dark shit in the world. And then the same guy says to me, like, I don't know why I get so much spiritual wisdom from this one atheist motherfucker, but I'm so glad he's in my life. You know what I mean? And he says to me, those are the examples of what you don't want to be. That's what they are, man. And um, that made it a little bit more okay for me to believe, to come to terms with the fact that I believe. Well, I think too, right? Like the higher power, you hear this, like the uh, a a higher power of whatever you want to believe in, right? right? Is a gentleman, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, they're not gonna they're not gonna come into your house unless you invite them in. Yeah, you know, I mean, we do have our like moments of clarity and whatnot, but like we can like how many moments of clarity should we had should we should we have had but mm. didn't because of our denial? You know what I mean? Right. But like a higher power of whatever you believe is a gentleman is not going to just walk into your house uninvited or unannounced. So the the best way I've heard that put is that there's this guy speaking and he said, "My higher power is the perfect respecter of my boundaries," <laughs> and when when I finally let go and let god in right wait when i i feel like that's a saying somewhere <laughs> yeah. i feel yeah, like no. i've heard that one before yeah how, how does it go again you go dude it's like let god and let go like let, let oh go, let, 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 go. let go and let god i've only heard that seven billion yeah, gajillion time. times like we go still lose it dude no never it's never lost never lost yeah i mean it's always there it's just whenever when, when we find it yeah the other important thing for me was men's meetings bro because like i i came in and i was not a safe individual bro you know and more than that i always had like a hard relationship with dudes um 
And I didn't like with society, I got all kinds of messaging about what it meant to be a man. Right. And what I needed was to have like real men model good behavior for me. Right. And like there were there were these dudes that were just like like I learned how to like not be a cheater from like adulterers. You know what I'm saying? I learned how to not be a thief from thieves like shit like that. It was it was really powerful for me. And there was that one outpatient counselor I mentioned earlier. I didn't like him when I knew him because he told me to go to men's meetings. I told him to fuck off. (laughs) And then years later, I find myself following his direction. He's like, I go to men's meetings and I love him now. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how it's the, usually if there's a piece of advice, if anyone in listening who's an alcoholic or a drug addict, right? And you're, you have a bit of advice that's given to you and you just hate it. You're just like that guy could, that person that's telling me this can just go and fuck off. Right. Usually that piece of advice is exactly what you need to take. If you like advice that's being given to you, usually (laughs) it's too easy. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Like usually it might be opinion shopping, dude, which is something I used to do. bro. Yeah. Oh, I'm just going to go and ask everyone I can till I get the answer I want. That's right, dude dangerous bro dangerous that's we why we play ourselves we really do we play ourselves way more than anyone else ever plays us it's like you said the battles between your ears right did battles i say that between my ears bro i don't remember saying that you definitely said i'm that, pretty sure bro. you said that no nah, i'm pretty sure you said that well, well now we we said that dude we said that we probably stole it from somebody else but like oh none of my shit's original dude right none of my no, shit's there's original. there's no way dude if any of you guys who are listening thought that any of my little <laughs> spiels are original, they're not. They're stolen from people. Yeah. I'm a really good knowledge recycler. And that's like the amazing thing about what we get to be a part of in like the fellowship is like it's basically oral tradition, dude. We're just ripping shit that some motherfuckers stole that's from That's a good like, band name. Oral tradition. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the foreskin or what was it? The four orgasm? Orgasm. <laughs> They're a good band, dude. Orgasm, no, nah, dude. We're, I, don't, I don't know if they put anything out. It was like one of those bands that like never performed, only practiced, dude. We're, dude, we're gonna start a band. Yeah, oral tradition. Oral tradition, dude. Be ready. That EP's dropping in 2035. Yeah. I can make that happen, dude. I think I think we all can. Yeah, we got the recording equipment. Yeah, clearly we're, we 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 can do it. Can you play the Can you play the mandolin? I can play the bass because I hated the bass player. Because I was the backup, backup bass player. Oh, shit. You know what I'm saying? Oh, shit. So, so, like... so you kind of did like, uh, <laughs> not Slumdog Millionaire, but like, what's the other one where he like, he hates the, d- it's like with some. Uh... I don't know, bro. Where are you going? Where are you going? Damn it, dude. It's I just watched this movie like not too long ago. And he has like this crazy comeback story because he like hates. Yeah. It, it's with like drums. He's like a drummer. Oh, it was, it was it the drummer guy that goes deaf. Fucking the the metal. No, he doesn't go deaf, but he has like some crazy teacher guy that he hates because he's a dick to him, and then he tries to be better than him. And it's like a drum line. It's a drummer. No, like a drummer in like a jazz band. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I don't know what it's called either, though. But I know exactly what you're talking about. If anyone who's listening's heard that, dude, I'm I'm sure like one of our producers knows, dude. I'm pretty sure I watched it with Siggy, actually. Yeah. I think that that's where I watched right. it. That sounds about right. Damn I'm 100% it. sure he. 
Is it the one? Does it have it like a conductor in it? Like wow, the, it's the conductor that's the douche. It's yeah, the, that's the yeah. guy that he hates, and he tr- but he, but he was a drummer, exactly and he tries to be better than him because because exactly the resentment. Talking about he gets in a car crash and like just just grows out of spite, dude. Yes, he's like blistered hands because he's drumming so much because he just hates this guy and he yeah. wants to be better than him. Dude, to be honest, spite might have kept me sober at certain points. Oh fuck yeah! You know, fuck yeah! Like like we use whatever we need to to like not pick up, right? It does. It, do- it doesn't. It, it's not a long term solution, but like it might get you. It might get you through in a pinch. Not saying it yeah. will. Yeah, it might. I mean, that's the other thing. We got no guarantees for anybody, bro. Yeah, not even me and you. Not even me and you, bro. Um, and that's why I stay grounded today, dude. Or at least I attempt to. I attempt to, and when I can't, I go to God, dude. And then, then I, I get to be here. Do you think the grounding comes from your higher power? Like, do you think that like, okay, here, here's why I'm asking this question. Okay. Cause there's a big debate, right. That I've had with multiple previous guests on the show where it's like, are we, we get to a point in our recovery. Are we fighting the human condition? Are we trying to medicate the human condition and try to live in a spiritual realm mm. or, or, like is that or or are we are we medicating our alcoholism, right? Because the book talks about being recovered. It says on the on the on this before you even get into anything, it says how thousands of men have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state right. of body and mind. So then we well, get recovered, but then like that that leaning on a higher power and that spiritual maintenance is like the human condition because everyone can be a douche, right? Like yeah. I, like I can I'm using that word a lot. I don't know what's going on, but um, <laughs> <laughs> douche, <laughs> right on. But um. You know what I mean? Like anyone can cheat on their wife, right? You don't have to be an alcoholic to cheat on your wife, right? But alcoholics do cheat on their wives, right? I, or you don't have to be so a, you don't have I to be an alcoholic both. to steal, but people still steal when they're not alcoholics. My answer is it's both, and and let me explain that. I think, right? This is just my opinion. I don't speak for anything, but like, remember in resentments, it talks about righteous anger being the dubious luxury of normal people, yeah, of normal men. So. I think that as alcoholics, the human condition, like, we can't handle the human condition. So it's, it's already it's too much. Amplified is what you're saying. Everything that we deal with is amplified, dude. Like I, I said, like, built in forgetter, broken coper. I can't handle life, period. Right? All I'm enabled to do with maintenance of my spiritual condition every single day is to be on the same playing field as normies. That's what I believe. Okay, All it that, does is it gives me a fighting chance. That checks out, right? So, like, I mean, shit, it goes back to the title of this podcast, right? right. We're, we're not bad people. We're not bad people trying to be good. We're sick people trying to get well. That's right. You know? And well looks different for everyone, but for the majority of us, well looks like being able to be normal-ish individuals, human That's beings right. in this world. That's right. And um, I think, like, you know, willpower can't keep us sober kind of thing. Um, but I think that alcohol or, or people say like, why can't you just will yourself to not drink? It's like, maybe I can some days, but you can't stay stopped. I can't stay stopped. It's not, it's not an infinite resource. Right. And it talks about in the book, the proper uses of our will is to align it with like God's vision for us. Mm -hmm. Right. And usually if I don't know what that looks like, I can like default to the sobriety mainstays, like be of service. Right. Um, or like work with other newcomers, check in on people, ask how they're doing, you know, and like, just handle my own shit, just handle my own shit. Yeah. Yeah. Real shit. I think that, you know, 
one thing we do know is it's never our, anyone's God's will to be selfish. Yeah. Right. Whether you're, you but know, it, whether you're Catholic or Buddhist or right. Muslim or, you know, Islamic or, or non-religious bro or atheist. Right. I don't think yeah. anyone's any, I don't think really anyone's higher power yeah. or their belief system is to just be self. Well, no, there's people out there, but like anyone who like is trying to grow and work on themselves and lean on a higher power to help better their lives. Like it's, it's that, that plan's never going to look like, okay, you got to be really selfish here. Right. You got to like hurt people and you got to like put people off to the side and you got to like only think about yourself. It just don't work well, dude. No. And that it, it's, it's a quick, it's a quick way to demise, you know, for you and me hundred percent, dude. I think for a lot of people too. For a lot of people. True. You know, yeah. right. Cause what the, all that does is push people away. Yeah. But no, it's, this shit's crazy. This shit's crazy, crazy dude. Crazy. And I love it, dude. Like for real, I love it. It's a great, it's a great life. Yeah. I do. You wake up and have an opportunity to learn something every single day. Cause at the end of the day, I don't know shit, bro. That's right. It's that's a great right. place to be. It's a great place to be. One would say you're in the pocket. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So we're coming towards the end of the episode, but I want to give you an opportunity. If there's anything that you want to say to to the listeners, right? Think about like what would be one piece of advice you would give to someone who's new in recovery or someone who has some clean time and is mm-hmm. struggling. Mm-hmm. What piece of advice would you give them? I want to talk about two things. So it says in our literature that when we're fucked in the head, the safest thing to do is intensive work with another alcoholic, right? Being a service is the go-to, right? That and prayer. But at the same time, one thing that I've learned through my journey is that sometimes it's okay to take time for myself, not out of selfishness, but out of selflessness. What I mean is this. I can't properly be of service if I'm just burnt all the time, right? Like, and it's something that my sponsor's really big on. Like, he's been trying to get me to go to less meetings, right? He's been trying to get me to show up to less meetings so I have more time to live my life and, like, regenerate as a person. And then I can show up to those meetings and be of service to the new guy. So find that balance. Balance, bro. Which is, like, really fucking hard. Well, I don't, I, I think, I don't know of any, I mean, it's, we're alcoholics, right? Like yeah. we're addicts. We're not balance. Isn't just something that just naturally comes to us. It's all about the extremes, bro, dude. Yeah. Like that's, that's what I do. I'm, I'm always trying to run, pick up, pick up more service positions than I need. Fucking over promise under the liver shit is like my go-to. And what I've been trying to learn is just like, all right, under promise over deliver. That's it. Yeah. That's solid, right? Because then, you know, you're not burning yourself out, but you're also, you know, living up to your potential. That's right. Putting less pressure on myself. Sick. No, I like that. And then, um, you know, so well, what was number two? You said there was two things? No, I think we covered it. No. I was, I was <laughs> going to talk about the selflessness, but I kind of tied it in. Are you t- are you made, yeah, I you made it all. Tied it up nicely. Beautiful. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Piot. Um and thank you to everyone who's, who's, you know, listening to the episodes, showing support, showing love, um, you know, follow us on Instagram, um, yeah. you know, for new updates on episodes and merch and all that good stuff. Right now we got this. We got some sick sweatshirts, bro. We got the sweatshirts in summer. Mm-hmm. 
You know, hashtag sweaters in summer. That's right. Right? You know, if you ain't sweating, you ain't working. That's right. You know what I mean? So They're a beautiful kind of like. They were supposed to be maroon and they came out pink. But, but they're hot pink, bro. But they're kind, they're kind of a vibe, dude. They're kind of a vibe. vibe. So if you enjoy sweating in the summertime, go get yourself a sicker than most sweater. That's right. You can, uh, um, the, the link and everything will be up on the Instagram uh, this week after this episode's published um and uh and just you know stay stay in the loop man you know um respond to the poll there'll be a poll on this episode if you're listening to on on spotify we want to hear your guys's feedback if there's anything you want to hear for future episodes please comment in that um and uh you know i'd like to end every episode off in style like we usually do you know no matter what you've done no matter where you come from You are lovable and you are forgivable. So keep that in mind. Keep your head up and keep it moving. Peace.